You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. We welcome back Mark Parrish, a West Point grad and an executive leader. Him and Pat continue on the topic of character and explain why it should be the standard of everything. Let's dive in. So, Mark, we're back together. This is our second episode together. It went so well the first time we had to come back and get some more info. Now, anybody that doesn't know or is just jumping onto this one, let me give a little background on you. So we met a few months ago. You have a fascinating story. You went to West Point. You flew Apache helicopters. Mm -hmm. You trained Israeli pilots. Um, You went to MIT. You were in leadership in in organizations Mm -hmm. like Harley Davidson, Mm -hmm. Igloo Cooler. Mm -hmm. Simmons Mattress. Simmons Mattress. And anybody watching, not listening, but watching, they would know that you went to West Point and I didn't because you're sitting up straight. You look like, you still look like a West Point grad. I'm, I'm slouch. I'm like a slob quit, on the couch. So, so. Well, for four years at the academy, you almost never touch the back of your chair. Yeah. That's just, yeah. just the way it is. So yes, it, it so. becomes a part of life, a little like the honor code that we last spoke about. Yep. Yep. And so let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. So last time you were talking about the honor code, you're yes. going to have to give it to us again. Yes. The second part of it, we didn't get to talk about, which is such yeah, a critical that's right. part. Yeah, we didn't dive into So that. 13 words. 13 words. And before we do it, uh, for those that are watching, I've got three references. So I used these the last time we were together. I have three references from the Academy. Um, In in the order that they were issued, the Bible. First day you were handed the Bible. First day. It's embossed with your name. It's the only thing you get. The rest of the day you spent stamping things with ink, like your clothing and everything else. It had your name on it. The second article issued is the Cadet Bible. Okay. A complete yeah. reference to the holiness of it, but this is yeah. for your family business. Your family, yeah. uh, you work for Uncle Sam. Yeah. So yeah. It's family business, and in here are the principles and the values of the academy. It's called Bugle Notes. The Cadet Bible is referred yeah. to historically as the Bugle Notes, and then the last one, which is a Common Task Training Manual, which says that all soldier, you're common to all soldiers, and all soldiers in the army are trained common tasks, and you will be too. And yeah. so this is your Bible during basic training. Yeah. You are a soldier first. So those are the three references, wow. and we'll probably get to them through the course of this. Mark, I've told you this before because um, we've had we've met a couple of times. We've we've sat up on the patio at the place we're we at. Have. We have. Um, I've enjoyed like you smoking a cigar. I love the smell of the cigars <laughs> as you're smoking. And I've told you, man, I wish you were my history teacher because oh, you, you are you are a, a scholar good. with history. So yeah, the, uh, unpack those thirteen words, the honor code that you. Were yeah, doing. let's do that. Then I think it's the uh, there's a proverb that says true wisdom if you think on the the wisdom hierarchy that data yields information and information yields trends to create knowledge but knowledge extrapolated into the future is wisdom Mm -hmm. the wise sage elders have wisdom they can tell you from the history what may unfold in your future yes yes. and so I, i share that from a perspective of the proverb which is true wisdom begins with getting the words right it's the words and their meaning. If, if I've been taught all my life that left is this way and right is that way, and you've been taught right is that way and left is this way, and I say go left and you go that way, you're doing exactly what you thought that word yeah. meant. And yeah. so it's about the wisdom that I'll share with you, the cadet honor code. Yeah. So the cadet honor code Good. is that a cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. Let's say it again. A cadet, cadet will not lie, lie cheat, cheat, or, or steal, steal nor tolerate, tolerate those who do. That's the oh, second part. That's the part. Okay. So, the fir- so if, if, if our listeners didn't get to listen to the first episode yeah. with you, they need to go back and listen to it because you, you unpack that first part in a marvelous way. 
But that second part, the first time you told me that, <laughs> that just stood out to me, nor tolerate those who do. Right. Because that's what we leave out a lot in type. We think, well, mm -hmm. it's about my integrity and mm -hmm. my character and my, but, and, and we're tying this to our, our mutual friend, No Gray Areas, Joe Gagliano, who wrote this book, when he started stepping into gray areas, um, when he started messing around with integrity, uh, it, it, it wreaked havoc in his life. Yes. But we often don't think of the idea of not tolerating those who aren't showing integrity That's or right. walking with That's character. Right. So yeah, help me, help us get that. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I think that if you go back to the rationale that I provided in our last episode, um, it's the idea that a profession, in this case, the profession of arms, um, has a standard, a way of measuring to that standard and a system to support it. And so when you think about the Hippocratic Oath of Doctors, when you think about yeah. the lawyers with the, yeah. um, with the bar. A lot of professions absolutely. So, so the mission of the Military Academy to educate, train, and inspire the future leaders of character yeah. for the Department of Defense, and this is a review of last time. Yeah. But I reference that because the standard is character. The metric is integrity. Mm. Integra, love, the root. And the measurement system is the honor system. So keeping that in mind, that's framework from the last episode yes. that we'll pull into this now. So the idea of not lying, not cheating, not stealing, and defining that as honor is not that difficult. In fact, it's the inner wars of seeing someone else lie or cheat or steal and having a moral ethical dilemma and still choosing as the cadet prayer says, the harder right over the easier wrong. And so what I'd like to the do, harder right the harder right, the easier, easier wrong. wrong. Choose the harder right over the easier wrong. Yeah. So I'll make two references yes. out of the bugle notes. One is the exact sentence um, that encapsulates that. That would be the cadet prayer. You know what, before you read yes, this, can please. I just say, this is, this is what I love about this conversation. It's been decades since you were in West Point, but <laughs> yeah. you're still referencing to think, so this has had a lifelong impact on you. That's yeah, why I love well, it. Look, yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll go into that in greater detail. So this is the cadet prayer. Oh God, our father, make us to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong and never be content with a half truth when the whole can be one. Hmm. So if we use that as the basis of the concept of tolerance, of misconduct by that nature, choose the harder right over the easier wrong is the guiding principle. And it's at the core of the honor code. Yes. And so you see the connection between your conduct and a prayer. Yes. It's a very interesting yes. tie-in. And so I, I read now the battalion orders issued by Brevet Major William Jenkins Worth, and I think it really addresses the unpacking of the second part of the code. May I? Yes, please. But an officer on duty knows no one. To be partial is to dishonor both himself and the object of his ill-advised favor. What would be thought of him who exacts of his friends that which disgraces him? Look at him who winks at and overlooks offenses in one, which he causes to be punished in another, and contrast him with the inflexible soldier who does his duty faithfully, notwithstanding and occasionally wars with his private feelings. The conduct of one will be venerated and emulated, and the other detested as a satire upon soldiership and honor. Wow, that is so good and so packed full of truths, isn't mm, it? It is. So we. You know, as, as we said in the last episode, yeah. I think there's a reference to the idea that when you, when you fall under a code of ethics, um, at first, the first year of the academy, yeah. you may believe that you are compliant, that it's, uh, it's because you get punished and you're trying to avoid a punishment. Yeah. 
when in fact... So if anybody were to watch the first year students at West Point, or, yeah. or maybe someone going through boot camp, they would think it's all about compliance because that's what it looks like. It is. It so is all about there's, compliance. And there's a great deal of fear yes. because of that. Because at this point, you haven't learned the Uniform Code of Military Justice. You actually don't know yet the laws okay. that govern you. The, the Uniform Code of Military Justice is a set of laws that's on top of civil justice laws. Yeah. So it's, it's a tighter requirement. So would you say compliance and fear, that you would say they go together? It a, does. So, so, in the, so this is very important. Yes. Compliance leads to fear. Fear leads to a power play. You want to know the people in power, and you want to, if you will, suck up to them. If you're in a culture of compliance, you have guidelines and policies, and you know you can't memorize them all. And in the real world, I guarantee you, I violate any of the companies I've been in. Yeah. I violate a company rule Their every policies day. Policies and procedures. Didn't wear books. the right glasses, didn't have this. So they're, so policies and procedures in a culture of compliance are the gospel. Yeah. You cannot violate. And if you do, don't talk to me. Would you say that a lot of organizations are built around a culture well, of compliance? A, I, I appreciate the reference of a lot. It's all, re, it's all relevant okay I mean, so it's it's it's, it's you don't a relative perspective so no no it's just the idea i will not i will not we're all works in process yes okay no it's the idea that it's a continuum some organizations are more compliant some are lean towards the commitment so you can define cultures as blue collar white collar you can define it as union non-union I'm, I'm choosing in this context to, to define it as cultures of compliance and cultures of commitment so in cultures of compliance okay it's the idea that you actually have rules and policies and their governance and they're the gospel and they will not be violated. So when someone violates, it's black and white. Yeah. It's black and white, done. No, you're, so you're not, not saying that's a bad thing. That's that you, an organization has to have that. You have to have structure. Yeah. Exactly. Just so, like you did at West Point. Exactly. Okay. And so there's cultures of compliance that have policies and procedures that build fear because no one can memorize all the policies and procedures. No one. And as a result of that, it creates a culture of politics. It's an inevitable conclusion. Politics is defined as the abandonment of principles for position. For inevitably, <laughs> I appreciate it. Inevitably, when, Boy, you, when you are fearful of getting caught and you get caught, you sure do want to make sure that you know the guy in power. Yes. So it's one of these questions we'll come to. Um, is power given or is power taken in relationships? Hmm. It's, a, it's a deep one. We'll come back to that one. Let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. I'm avoiding answering. I know you are. I got a 50 I love chance. this. All right, there you go. Um, so in the, in the cultural spectrum of commitment and compliance, you have to keep in mind that in a culture that's, I've, I've been in some of the finest in the world. And I think for the past 30 some years, I've been trying to replicate the culture of commitment that I experienced in what many people think is a compliant culture called the United States Army. That's what you would think. It was yes. commitment. It's absolutely against the stereotype. I, I so enjoy it and try to replicate it in every leadership yeah. role I have. What I'm replicating is the idea that policies and procedures, policies and procedures do exist. Like you said, every organization has policies and procedures. However, I want you to think about this for a moment, that when you break a policy or procedure, they are but mere guidelines, and in the Army never replaced the judgment of the commander. It's important to note, policies and procedures exist in cultures of compliance and in cultures of commitment, but in cultures, the most committed culture I've ever been a part of, in cultures of commitment they exist, and if you violate them, they're but mere guidelines. For you'll be judged on extenuation, mitigation, from a values perspective. So, what's, so a, a culture of... Compliance, compliance is 
fear-based. Fear-based. Yes. What's a culture I, of I, commitment? I really appreciate that. You're going to hear me say love-based. Yes. It's love-based. Why is it love-based? The measurement of a person's character, the measurement, the actual metric, is integrity. The root of integrity is love. Like integers are whole, yeah. complete love. Yeah. And so the you, you realize that you're quoting a lot of things right now that come from, from the, first Bible, book <laughs> the first book that you got when you went in there. The Indeed. Bible talks a lot about Indeed. that. Yes. Why it's, yes. it's the use of references here. It's, yeah. uh, it's all tied together. Maybe that's the point. That for thousands and thousands of years or for four years, yep. it's the same. It's, yeah. Represented in different words. Yeah. True wisdom begins with getting the words yes. right. And so what we're working on now is the, is the lexicon of honor. And so in cultures of commitment, people will give you their all. If they know that when they violate something they couldn't even remember, if it's some way they cross the code, they know that you will judge them on their values and the principles, the universal truths that are not time bound. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important if you want to get the most out of people that you embrace with love, the ideal of good intentions mm -hmm. and integrity as a foundation of your relationship yeah. with them. Yeah. Don't catch people doing wrong. Catch them doing right and let yeah. them know it. Yeah. So that's how you build a culture of commitment. Yeah. Which is which is love versus fear. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is the culture of commitment is fear based and and, and it's not all wrong. Every organization no, is going to have culture principles. of commitment. Culture of commitment. Oh, sorry. Is love based. Yes. Cultures of compliance are fear based. Yeah, I got yes. that. Culture of compliance, fear. Fear based. Pro, uh, 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 procedures, policies. That's not all wrong. You're not saying right. it's a continuum. Yeah. But if you have an organization. If you're running an organization, leading an organization, you want to be definitely moving toward having more of a, a culture of commitment, which is trust, love. Some of the organizations, the some of the organizations that I've had the most pleasure of running, um, while I was a chief op of operations at Simmons Mattress, we were selected as one of Fortune's 100 most admired companies. Mm -hmm. I think about that. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know that, that's that, incredible. It, the, the leadership of the company doesn't contribute to that. It's actually the associates. Um, we had eight, uh, 19 factories from Puerto Rico to Hawaii, six time zones. The associates on the hierarchy of, of authority are the ones who are interviewed by fortune. So it's not me bragging about my company. It's folks who are being led that yes. are bragging about their leadership and the results. My point being that when you lead with love from a place of integrity, people will blossom. And we didn't change people. We didn't hire more people. We, nothing happened. The only thing that changed is the culture. The culture went from one of compliance to one closer to commitment. And the end result is those persons who have been, um, I, I like to say a cynic. A cynic, by definition, is a frustrated idealist. You want to listen. Like you want to listen yeah. to a cynic. A cynic is telling you the answer to your question through a complaint. Listen, sit down, be patient. There's Act. probably something to what they're saying. Yeah. So what, is that what That's what I'm saying. So for 30 some years, you could work in a factory at Simmons. I'm using Simmons specifically because of the grand uh, results that were delivered. The people stayed the same, but there was there was cynicism. Yeah, we've heard this. We'll, you know, we'll wait till you leave. Those kinds of conversations. This is 20 years ago. Um, but when they saw it, when they saw the words turn into action, yeah. the same people became inspired yeah. and contributed every day greater and greater towards the eve of their yeah. careers. I had one gentleman say, it wasn't until this era of our evolution, by the way, at his retirement after 40 years, 
That's why I have, I have empirical data here. His comment was, after 40 years, I learned that 39 years were the same year over and over, and this last year would inspire me to serve 40 more. That's what the sway in, in, in <laughs> That's compliance, a culture of commitment. That's culture of commitment. That's what we're talking about here. Now, now let, me, let me go full circle. Yeah. What's fascinating about this is, again, like you said earlier on, if someone were to look at a West Point where you went from 17 mm-hmm. to 21 or 22, or yes. uh-huh. they, they would look at that and think that's completely a culture of compliance. And <laughs> you're saying it's not. that they, What they do is they move you into a culture of commitment. Yeah, and it's a very programmatic approach to it with centuries of history. Yeah. And so if you if you think about the, a little bit of a fun fact, I think the number is somewhere just north of 56,000. How many people have graduated from the military academy since 1802? I think it's 56,000. 56, it's shockingly 000. small. Yeah, that people is. would say, oh, no, you know, Notre Dame, yeah. whatever, you had this many people, and you multiply that yeah. by 200 plus 20 years, and... No, only 56,000. The first classes were three people, five people. So you have to think about the evolution of the academy. And yet, the honor code stands as a measurement of character based on the metric of integrity and the system to hold them accountable. So as we think about that, wouldn't it be nice if society had an honor code? Mm. What we have is laws. And those laws are, you, you comply with the law. That's when society says that you've wronged your fellow man in an organized society. Wouldn't it be incredible if there was an ideal that all aspire to, that there was a a United States honor code, and that every person would be held accountable, and self-accountability was a part of it. You might be surprised that some cadets actually turned themselves in. You were telling me that yeah. there's a high percentage that, that, that they that believe I, in this so much that when they break the honor code, they go. That's them. commitment. That's commitment. That's not compliance. You know, so can I drop a little history? Which yeah. is it's crazy that I get to do this to you. Teach you're me. Always sharing Teach me. me. No, I love but, it. But de Tocqueville, the, the yeah. French philosopher yeah. who was <laughs> exploring and looking into this yeah. democracy or republic that was starting, yeah. right? He said that this is only going to work with individual morality, or we would put it in your words, that this was only going to work if it was a land full of people with a culture of commitment, not a culture of compliance. He said that as our country was getting started. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And so, so I say there's nothing novel in my approach to this, but if you think about creating, so the real question is, can you create a culture of commitment? No matter where you are on that continuum we've described, but can you create a culture of commitment with intention. And so my answer to that is yes, that building a culture of commitment has an actual science. A lot of people think it's culture is art. There's a science to doing it. There's five fundamental disciplines and seven subsequent ones that that are actually disciplines. Discipline defined as the practice of that which is unnatural. It takes nothing to get up when you feel like it. But it takes discipline to get up every day at 4.30 and then begin your day with exercise. That's discipline, the practice of that which is unnatural. And so I offer that to build a culture of commitment, it's unnatural to the human condition. The human condition is don't trust anyone because you've been betrayed by others. The human condition is my job is to pass judgment on others. Uh, The human condition is to have a discussion where I'm entrenched. I'm entrenched in my position, and I'm gonna get it in your head. Daikus, two people, kus means to beat, to tear, to rip. 
die. I'm just wanting to win. This. I just want to win this it thing. Versus discuss uh, versus dialogue. Yeah. Dialogue. Dia locos is two people. Locos means motion, energy, locomotive. Yeah. Um, it means to dance, to dance with the other. We've and been so, dancing with each other during. this. Uh, it's been yes. <laughs> in my joy. You're You've been taking the lead. You're I'm following. Dance partner. <laughs> so when you think about the the gift of trust. And the suspension of judgment. Don't make people earn it. Give it to them until they prove themselves unworthy. If you think then about the idea of suspending judgment, it takes discipline. It's not natural. You think you're supposed to pass judgment. So suspend your judgment and then use dialogue to engage in an exchange, a dance. Can you imagine if we did this with each other? Just... This doesn't have to be the military. I'm saying, how, yeah. about, how about a code, a moral ethical code of conduct in our life? Yeah. In our life. So when the, when the transition happens in your inner core from compliance to commitment, it doesn't stop when you take the uniform off. And that's how all of this parlays into the rest of our lives. Yeah. And so the, the, I say the fourth and the fifth part of the fundamental five disciplines of building a culture of commitment, empowerment. A lot of folks misread the concept of empowerment, meaning freedom. Complete freedom yeah. yields chaos. Yeah. And societies yeah. break down with complete yeah. freedom. It's freedom with fences. It's actually defining the principles by which we will interact that builds the foundation of a strong society. You're quoting this again, my friend. <laughs> Preach your back. Keep reminding me. I love it. I love yeah. it. So what's the fifth one? The fifth one is principle-centered decision-making. And it's vital because if the, if the allow me, it's principle-centered decision-making vis-a-vis politics. So politics are that there's, Three ways of looking at politics defined as abandoning principle for some gain or personal position. Okay, that's the definition. In this case, that's the definition of politics. I'm not talking about politicians in yes, D.C. Yes. It may be relevant, but yes. I'm not talking about them. Um, this is the idea that there's three ways of looking at politics. Number one, they exist. Number two, they exist. Number three, they exist. Okay. There's three different ways of looking at it. One, they exist and you don't know it. And in the chess game of life, you're a pawn. Yeah. Pawn is weak and gets yeah. moved off the it's board. Expendable. Yeah, yeah, it's expendable. That's the first way of looking at it. You're not aware. I used to have a CEO who said, there are politics, but none here. And I remember thinking, yeah. that's actually when I first defined it and said, no, it, yeah. it exists, yeah. it exists, and it exists. Yeah, just yeah. unaware. So that's the first thing. Um, and it's often the, the top dog that is not aware of the politics. Yep. Higher you go in leadership, the less you know a lot of things. Okay. So that was an example. The second one is they exist and you choose to play them. You're a politician. Mm -hmm. Whatever your realm or context, you're a politician. You choose to play. And the third way of looking at politics is they exist and you absolutely inoculate the culture with that which our principles articulated. So in other words, you stop in the moment, not three days later, if you see politics playing out, stop and then define the principle and then agree in relationship to move on from there. Remind, it's not like calling someone out and calling them a name. How dare you? Politics are real. They exist. Yeah, yeah. If you want to build a culture of commitment, stop when you discover one, when you see one. Hey, man, we just had a meeting in the, in the boardroom. And we're standing here at the water fountain and you're taking a different position. What's up with that? That's how you stop it. You're actually calling it out. So an organization that you were leading, if someone came in and said, Mark, uh, there's, there's some politics around here, you would say, of course there are. Yes. 
but we have principles in place and we're doing everything we can to fight against Values-based principles that allow for us to articulate. Please share yeah. with me what you saw as violation of policy or what you saw quite candidly as kissing up. Yep. And let's, let's unpack that and determine what it is and then redefine our relationship going forward in the context of, it's not name calling, it's not finger pointing. I like to say, don't fix blame, fix the problem. So it's just a, a way so of thinking good. about it. Yeah, know? that's a culture. I mean, so many cultures that people have worked in are kiss up and kick down cultures, mm -hmm. but it's the it's the <laughs> kiss culture of compliance, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that causes that. that causes that. It's and the fear based. The, yeah, because you know it. So, Mark, there's so much more. We're we're out of time, but there's so much more we could do with this. <laughs> and I want people to learn more from you. I want to learn more from you. So tell us, tell us how how do we connect with you? How do we find out? Who yeah, we learn more oh, from that's you? very kind of you. So I, I have before me on the table just to, to help everybody. So Parish Partners is uh, 20 years of existence, yeah. that which is leadership and management consulting. So even as I've been running businesses, my wife, Michelle, would, would take over the responsibility while I took my first chief executive role in a publicly traded company. And so from that, you can find us at www.parishpartners.com. Uh, parish, two R's, parish, P-A-R-R-I-S-H, we like to say. Um, so Parish, Parish Partners, Partners with a plural, dot com. Very easy to find us. You'll find seminars, training opportunities, um, uh, inspirational speaking opportunities. Um, we really like to focus on tailoring every solution for every one of our clients. And all we want to do, I, the way to say it is, your biggest challenges are our greatest opportunity. Love that. Thanks, Mark. Buddy. I hope a lot of people reach out to you because in the few months I've known you, I have learned a tremendous amount. Thank you for taking your time. And uh, man. I'm looking forward to the months and years ahead. It's been my honor. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.